but today, uh, this is a, a standalone. Uh, you can be praying for me. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I got a lot of things going on in my mind of what we're going to do. You say, well, you haven't started yet? No, I haven't. Well, I have, but I, I haven't settled on anything. So uh, just be praying about where we're going to go in our study for the new year. Uh, there's all kind of options. Uh, and uh, trying to figure out which one will do us the most good at this point in time. You know, the Bible's full of stuff uh, that we need. You just can't do it all at one time. So um, if God has uh, spoken to you that you should tell me, let me know today, all right? Tomorrow won't count, all right? After today, there's, I, I don't care what you think, all right? Is that a good way to say that? But we'll see if God is speaking to more than one of us about what to do. And that's the hard thing. When people say, well, there's nothing to preach, I'm thinking, what? Are you kidding me? The hard thing is where? Where, where to start to where we live because there's so much going on. But today uh, we're looking at, I hope, something that will help us think through the rest of our life, and especially this year. And that is uh, crossing over what we're looking at today. Crossing over means going to the next place God has for you. Uh, it's a daily thing. Uh, it's a constant thing where you've got to decide, okay, this is where I think God wants me. Uh, you know, as part of our experience in God was to find out where God's doing something, where he wants us to be at in that process, and then decide and do it. Uh, and, and we're looking at that concept, the same thing that they did in uh, the Old Testament when they had to cross over Jordan to the Promised Land. It was a 400-year-old promise they had, and they'd never exercised it. Uh, they had failed 40 years prior, and now they're back at the same place, and they got to decide, are we going to do this or not? So that's where we are every day of our life. Where is God's best for me? He always wants his best for us. And we come to a place always where we say, okay, it's going to cost this to cross over to where God wants me. Am I going to do it? How do I know that's where it's supposed to be? So that's what we're looking at uh, this morning. Anthony Falzo was a, a conductor on a 19-car freight train going through Ramsey, New Jersey. Katie Pritchard lived on a cul-de-sac, and she had just gotten home from the grocery store, and she was putting up the groceries, and her two kids, uh, one three and one a year and a half, were playing down the cul-de-sac, and she had always warned them never to get close to the railroad track, which was 50 yards away. And while she was putting up the groceries, she heard the, that sustained thrill of that air horn on the train, and automatically she knew. And Anthony Falzo was looking out uh, the conductor's window of the engine, and he saw something yellow and red moving, and he thought it was just trash, but then he, he realized it was those children on a railroad track. So he threw on the brakes, but there was too much momentum for it to stop. So he, he made his way around the catwalk of that engine and engaging the distance and the time. As he got close enough, he jumped from the train and grabbed the kids and covered them as the, it went over them. And the train stopped. The second car was on top of them when they stopped. They were injured, but their lives were saved. So the news asked him, he said, what possessed you to do that? He said, well, I knew if I had not acted in that moment, it could have meant life or death for them, but I would forever be different myself. That's what, that's what this means. 
when, when God shows you where he wants you for your best in your life, you have to make a decision, and the decision you make affects the rest of your life. That's the way it was. Uh, we're going to have to hurry through. There's always more than what we have time for, uh, but we're going to hurry uh, and look at this uh, crossing over. And even though it was the Jordan for them, the promised land, it was God's best. It was a promise that he made to Abram that he said, I'm going to give my children, your descendants, this land. And uh, if you look at the map, you see where they were coming out of Egypt, where they were supposed to go. Let's do a quickly little thing. Jordan is a place in life where it's a small window of time that is once in a lifetime, sometimes. The biggies, once in a lifetime, there's always something God's wanting to do, so that it can be every day, absolutely. But once in a lifetime, maybe a biggie, a part of seeing God do something supernatural in our life to get us where he wants us to be. You know, in a brand new year, where, where is that? Where, where do you think God would have you be this year in a big way that you're going to have to make a decision? Am I going to do this or not? And how do I know it? We all have that opportunity as individuals, as a church. I remember one, once in a, in a church years ago in a different place, it was, a, it was a, a moment of decision. And I didn't know all the things that had gone on in the background in that church where I was. But I kind of stood my ground when it was a racial issue, and uh, I, I just, you know, it had been in the history of that church only 12 years prior to me getting there, that it was still in the Constitution. If an African-American joined the church, the church would dissolve, and the land would go back to the original owner who gave it 100 years ago. That's, that's what we had in Georgia still. So when, when I said, no, when, that's not the way it's going to be. And there was the majority of the church was in agreement, but there's always a few who, you know, they're against everything. It don't matter what it is. And one of the older deacons, probably one of the most spiritual guys that I'd met at that point in my life, he said, you know, this was our third strike. I didn't know any of that. He said, two times before this came up and everybody folded. He said, I saw it as if you did not stand here, God was going to take his hand off of us. And we'd be done. I didn't know any of that. Well, God went on to, he blessed the church and a lot of things happened. But it was that moment when things had, and I didn't know any of that that was going on in the background. Cost me, though. <laughs> a lot of people didn't like me. Well, a few people didn't like me. The majority of the church said, that ain't right, you know, for them to have that mentality. Anyway, that's the way it is. The church are individuals, both. That's the way it goes. Now, in Numbers chapter 21, you remember God had delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he's going to take them to the promised land. And that process is just a referral back to when that happens. And then we're going to look at Joshua. It says, And Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men that, you know, they're right at the edge of the promised land. And he says, Send a, a, men, a man from every the, one of the tribes, 12, to look at the land and bring back a report. That's what this is, right? That they may spy out the land of Canaan, which uh, I will give unto the children of Israel. Of every tribe of their father shall you send a man, every one a prince among them. So every tribe was represented. And Caleb still the people. They came back and they said, oh, man, you know, it's, it's flowing with milk and honey. It is just stuff we've never seen before. Grapes that they had to put on a pole that were so heavy to bring back and show the people. He said, man, this is it. And, but there were only two of the spies who said, we can do it. The other ten said, no, we can't. That was the mentality, right? And Caleb stilled the people before Moses said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are able to overcome it. 
But the men that went up with him said, We are not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we are. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had spied out unto the children of Israel. And the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. When you murmur against God's leader, you're murmuring against God. It happened quite a few times in the book of Numbers. <laughs> this wasn't the only time. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, but would that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore does Jehovah bring us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our lives, our little ones will be prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? We'd rather be in bondage. You know, we'd rather be in bondage than to be free. And Jehovah said, I pardon according to thy word, but in every deed as I have Moses interceded for the people. I'm skipping because there's just too many verses to put in here. But in the very deed as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of Jehovah, because of those men that have seen my glory. What is he talking about? They saw the plagues in Egypt. They saw how I delivered them from Pharaoh. They saw us cross the Red Sea. They saw all those miracles. And this has been in the last month. That they saw it all. My glory and my signs which I wrought in Egypt and in the wilderness. Because of those men. Ye have tempted me these ten times and I'm not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land that I swear to their fathers. They're not going in. They'll never make it. They'll die and never go in the promised land. Neither shall any of them that despise me see it. But Caleb and Joshua, the two that were spies who said, oh yeah, we can do it. They'll make it. They'll make it. And they followed me fully. I'll bring them to the land where he went, and he shall, and they shall possess it. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. That's why they wandered around for 40 years. For everyone who was 20 years old and older would die except Caleb and Joshua. God's serious. He's still serious. Whenever God brings you to the point and he shows you what he has in mind for you and you don't take it, there will always be consequences. You know, it, I'm not talking about you lose your salvation, but the blessings that God wanted on your life can be gone and you'll never get it back. And what happens is that blessing on your life could be a blessing to someone else. So not only do you lose out, but other people lose out. So that's, why, that's, that's exactly what he's saying. According to your whole number, from 20 years old and upward, which have murmured against me, you don't make it. You're gone. Doubtless you shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell there and save Caleb and the son of Jephthah and Joshua. There's only two. And so that's what happened. And now we come back in Joshua chapter 1 and we pick up Moses is dead. He's just died. Now Joshua is the leader and they're back at the same place. Man, there's a lot of sermons you could preach at this place. You made a bad mistake over there. Now you're back over here and you have a second chance. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to cross over this time? Or are you going to bow out again? What are you going to do? That's what it is. Now it came to pass after the death of uh, Moses, the servant of Jehovah. You know, we know at least how many years passed. Forty. Because Moses led him in the wilderness. Forty years. You know, if you ever look at the map, you know how close they were to the promised land the whole 40 years that they wandered? Right at it. Just cross the fence. You know, we're that close to God's blessing and what he wants to do in our life. We're that close. And we don't have enough faith to do it. You know? This is a promise, a 400-year-old a promise. God said, I, I'm going to take you. And they knew it. They said, oh, no. 
know, that Jehovah spake unto Joshua the son of Nun, Moses, minister saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, into the land which I gave to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, you shall, I have given it to you, as I spoke to Moses. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, and I'm jumping down to verse 10. There's a lot of verses. You need to go back and read the whole chapter, okay? There's a lot in there. Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare your victuals for within three days. We're going across. You need to get your stuff together. We're going. You know, we're going across. Get ready. He told the leaders to go through the people. A few days passed from, you know, when you look at the sequence of events of what he's saying and the things that they do, they send the spies and, uh, you know, they encounter Rahab and the whole thing and they come back and then they get ready to go across. They're at the Jordan River. It's at flood tide. It's probably, what, a couple hundred yards across it. It's at flood tide. It means what? There's a lot of water there. I don't know if what, you know what that means. A river, when it's at its fullest point, is flood tide, where it means you can't just walk over. You, it's going to be a struggle. So that's, that's another one of those threats in front of them. To go to possess it, the land which Jehovah God gave it to you, to possess it. When he passed the baton of leadership to Joshua before he died in Deuteronomy, he talks about that. It was the end of the 40-year wilderness, about 1405 B.C. That's about when, that's about when it was. Joshua was approaching 90 years old now. What you want to start at 90? Anybody? <laughs> well, you want to start at 90? You know, that, you say, well, they lived longer. He only lived just a few more years and he died. He didn't live a lot, a lot longer. He would give Israel the land by conquest, fulfill the covenant that God had given to Abraham, their forefather. That's exactly what it was. And to pass judgment on the sinful inhabitants of the land. I mean, they were pagans. You know, that's why people get so upset when he said, when you go in there, kill them all. Because I know what they're going to do to you if you don't. And they didn't listen. And what happened to Israel? They fell. I was talking to the Jewish guy over at Walmart this morning. Uh, he works here at the door, you know. I don't know if you go over there that early in the morning. I don't know if he's in there any other days. But on Sunday morning, he's there. I said, how's it going across the river? I mean, how's it going across the water? He said, well, you know, I've got some people still over there and that keep up and give me an insight because you can't really know what's going on with the news. He said, well, you know, they found another big tunnel that they're just trying to get rid of. He said, they're all over the place. And, uh, and he brought up, he said, you know, then, uh, Benjamin said, you know, this is the evil thing. We've got to eradicate it. We can't just stop. A lot of people don't understand that. And he said, oh, yeah, you remember Saul? I said, I know all about Saul. When, when God told Saul to go in, he said, don't bring anything back. Kill all the kings. Don't bring anything. What did Saul do? He brought the king back and the goods. What did it cost Saul? He was done. And what did it cost the nation of Israel? Everything. That's the way it goes. Sinful inhabitants. you got to be careful who you hang around with. That's what he was telling them. He said, I know what they're going to do if you don't get rid of them. I've given them chance after chance to repent. That's the thing we forget. God's been patient with them all these years, and they've just gotten worse. They haven't gotten any better. And God knows that. We need to make a commitment to cross over for God's best. You've got to decide whether you want it or not. It's going to cost you, though. <laughs> you know, it always costs, right? Every day is a time when we have to decide whether we're going to go forward or stay where we are. And if you're staying where you are, what are you doing? You're going backwards, you know, because the earth is moving. Every day we face the Jordan life, every day in some capacity. How are you going to handle it? God moves forward. He does not live in the past. 
Did he do something yesterday? Good. What's he going to do today? He, he's moving. He's moving. He doesn't stay in one place. It doesn't matter what you accomplished in your life last year. What did God want to do this year? What does God want to do today? You know, what does he want to do this week? You know, if you're reading through your book, Drawing the Circle, it's, it's exciting just to read that things happen in people's lives, you know. You never know what God's going to do. You know, you just, don't ever, you just don't know that. He always advances, and if we don't advance, then we're not where he is because he's moving forward, always. Joshua said, get ready. <laughs> I remember a long time ago, uh, and somehow or another, I got a hold of the tape back when I was farming, and this, our, my older, uh, he wasn't a preacher, he was a layman actually, but his, his son got to be a good friend of mine, and he was always giving me cassette tapes of preachers, and I never heard anybody preach like that. You know, our little home church in the country, it just wasn't there. It just They were doing the best they could, all right? But it was, a, it was a sermon from Mabel White, actually, when they were over there on the, what's that road they used to be on? What? Eisenhower, yeah. And uh, it was an African-American preacher, Cameron Alexander. I remember his name. I mean, I haven't listened to this tape in 30 years, but I remember somehow or another. And he was talking about, when God gets ready to do something, and, and you, know, it, you, know how, you know how extravagant African-American preachers can be? They do have a gift in that, you know. They do. And uh, he said uh, God was getting ready to do something, and he said, you know, he was talking about it. And he said, God said, we're getting ready to go across. And, and the chairman of the evangelism committee said, well, we don't know anything about that. God didn't tell us anything about it. He said, what are we supposed to do? And the, and the preacher said, you're just supposed to stand there. God's going to do it. You just get ready. And that's the way it is. God's going to be moving. And if you're not paying attention, you're going to get left. And you can miss what God had best in mind for you, and it might not come back around. Well, he'll give me another chance. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. These people didn't mess it the first time in numbers. They didn't get another chance. They died in the wilderness. We must cross over to a purposeful future or stay behind aimless futilely no good whatsoever from God's perspective he said this is what we're going to do we need to know the certainty of God's direction part of our experience in God was that right how do we know we got this and this and this, all these elements to try to help us pinpoint okay we think this is where God wants us to be this is what he wants us to do and one of the great ways that we know we have something to go on Yogi Berra said this a long time ago he said you got to be careful you don't know where you're going because you might not get there where do you think God wants you to be you need to know what that is or you will miss it. You won't have a goal. You won't have to do anything. What steps do we take before we undertake some risk of putting it all out there? Nope. We've been through a few of those in our life. Most of y'all have. Where you're taking a big step and you say, I don't really know how this is going to turn out. This could be a flop and cost me everything. Two or three times. You know, how, how do you know? A lot of it is you're, you're trying to figure out what God says. How, how do you know that? Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed for Shittim. And, you know, it's kind of funny how they were over here. They crossed over here, and they come in. They were at the promised land here, but they crossed in and went over here where Jericho was to go in because God told them to do that. He moved from there and came to the Jordan, and all the children with him and lodged there before they passed over. Why? The clear direction for the people was the ark. You know what that was, right? That's exactly what it was. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the covenant of the ark of the covenant of the Lord, God had given them direction. Why? The ark was the symbol of God's presence. He said, this is what you're going to move. When you see that move, that's your key. 
That's a symbol. That's what, that's what it was for them. And the priest and the Levites bearing it, they shall remove from their place and then go after it. You follow it. The ark was a clear symbol of God's presence. Man, there's a lot in there. We need his direction because oftentimes we're going into a brand new place that we've never been before, right? Man, when you're cutting the ground on something and there's no one to ask, how you do this? You're on your own, you know? You've never been there, and that's exactly what he said. He said, why? Because you've never been there. It takes us acting in the faith, trusting him to make a sacrificial commitment when you do not know what's going to happen. Several times, big things. Don't know how this is going to turn out, but God, we're going to trust you. Thank the Lord we made the right decision in those places. It still cost, but it was God's, it was God's plan when we did it. God is always with us to support us in his service. If we're following his plan, always. But it's hard sometimes, right? There shall be a space between you and about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, the ark he's talking about, that you may know the way which you must go. You know, you know what we have? We have God's word. We have other believers. We have all those things. For you have not passed this way before. They've never been across the Jordan before. He's asked them to do something they've never done before. And as they bear the ark will come into Jordan, and the feet of the priests that were born the ark were dipped into the brim of the water. You know, we'd say, God, if you just go ahead and part the water for us first, then we'll walk out there in it. Right? God, I need a sign that you're absolutely sure that this is going to work. No, you might not get that. You just got to take me at your word. This is where I'm telling you to go. You just go. Just step out there in the water. Remember, it's a flood tide. You could drown in it. It's not very big when it's dry. Some of you have been over there. Uh, it's, it's, not a, it's, it's not a big river, but where they were at that time, you could drown in it. I mean, it was big enough then. For the Jordan overfloweth at its banks at that time of the year. It was flood tide. There are some things in life that we need to feel are just too big to risk, don't we? So we need some assurance. God, I've got to know this before I'm going to do that. Sometimes you don't. You either trust God, you do everything you can to know what he says to do, and then you go with it. When you see the ark and the priest, that was their sign. That was what God had given them. God's presence was the ark. You know, what it became was they put so much emphasis in the ark that they forgot about the God who was behind the ark through the time. So they worshiped that instead of God, and boy, that cost them too. You remember several times when they depended on just the box, and God said, oh, no, you're forgetting me. You remember when it was captured and all the things that went with, meant a lot of stuff to deal with that deal. It was different the way it was done this time. Normally the, the uh, Levitical tribe moved it, but this time the priests were doing it because he said, this is the way I want it done this time. It's a little bit different. Well, that's the way it's going to be. We have to hurry, all right? It was a preparation to allow the people following to get set for God's miracle, which he's about to do. Guys, step out there in that water, and then they're going to see while they're waiting, they're going to see my hand at work when the water parts, that they can trust me. Priest, go ahead and do that. That's what you're supposed to do. That's exactly what it was. That's just describes the ark, if, and I'm sure you know all about that already, but it'll be in the notes that Danny had put up for us. Now, we have the Word of God for our direction. How do I know? We have God's Word. We don't have to have Joel Osteen, the prophet, or Benny Hinn, or, or Lord knows all those other guys out there who always got a word from God. And a lot of times their word from God does not coincide with God's word. That's how you always measure it. We have an absolute from God's word that tells us that's how you measure something when somebody starts saying something. We have those directions. 
Heaven and earth shall pass away, but what? Not my words. Nope, not my words. For verily I say unto you, heaven and earth shall pass Not one jot or tittle. Not even a comma. Not a mark over, uh, uh, in, that's the way it was in the Greek and the Old Testament in the language. You had one little dot that changed the word. Okay, particularly an upside down W. That's the best way I know how to describe it to you. A Shema, it's, you had three, it looked like an upside down W, but you put little one dot over the right and it changed the whole word. Different word, just with one dot. That's what he's talking about. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching or making. Be sure of his will if we're led by the Spirit. Isn't that what it says? See then that you walk circumspect, uprightly. Pay attention. Keep your mind. Keep your head on straight. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You can find out. Why? Because we have God's word. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. But be ye filled with the Spirit. Because of our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit guides us, leads us, and we can know God's direction for our life. We can have a pretty good idea. Who we need to marry, who we don't need to marry. Did you know that? You let the Bible be your weed eater. It'll weed out a lot of that nonsense. You know, it will. It does. We must move on a crossover when we have that assurance. They had it. Are they going to do it? Hey. And they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark, that's exactly what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to move. Are you personally ready to see God do a miracle either in you or with you? For his glory. Dedication. I'm going to just give you the topics because we're already done. William Jennings Bryan said this. Destiny is not a matter of change. It's a matter of choice. It's not a thing to be waited for. It's a thing to be achieved. Boy, that's right, isn't it? Look at this. This is a quote from Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War. I'll just read it. Most Americans during the Civil War believed God was on their side, south and the north. Both of us said, God's behind us. Ain't that right? Democrats and Republicans, everybody says, well, I can't say that because a lot of them on both sides don't even believe in God, so I can't really say that. Uh, but they believe they're right, right? Both sides believe they're right. Believe God was on their side. After many military defeats, Abraham Lincoln wrote down this private thoughts on the matter. It's called the Meditation on the Divine Will. He said, the will of God prevails in great contests. Each party claims to act in accordance with the will of God. Oh, we're doing what God says. We're doing what God says. Both, everybody. Both may be. And one must be wrong. If it's an absolute contrast, both can't be right. You know, that's like if the ball is red, the ball is red. You might be colorblind, but the ball is red. You may see it as black, but it's red. It can't be two at one thing. Either you're male or female. You're not both. Same thing. Same thing applies. God cannot be for and against the same thing at the same time. Eh? We all agree with that. Isn't that right? In the present civil war, it's quite possible that God's purpose is something different from the purpose of either party. <laughs> you mean we could be wrong? We could be wrong? Yeah. And yet the human instrumentalities, working just as they do, are of the best adaptation to affect his purpose. What is God's purpose in it? I'm almost ready to say this is probably true. That God wills this contest and wills that it shall not yet end. By his mere quiet power on the minds of the now contestants, 
He could either have saved or destroyed the Union without a human contest. Yep, I agree with that. Yet the contest began, and having begun, it could give the final victory to either side any day. Yet the contest continued. Boy, that's right, isn't it? That's what it is. It takes personal consecration, dedication. <laughs> I remember, um, uh, I forgot his name. Uh, he was a surveyor. I think his name was Derek. He was a surveyor. It was a true story in Reader's Digest. And he was surveying some land close to a golf course. So, you know, you, you survey and you take your machete and you're cutting the lines where you can run the transit. And uh, while they're in there running the lines, he finds a golf club that somebody threw out there in the woods. Can you imagine somebody throwing their golf clubs away? Can you imagine that? Anyway, after they cut the lines, he's walking out, and he's got his machete in one hand and his golf club in the other one. And two guys were over there on the green, and, and they look at him, and, they, and the other one says something. He said, now, there's a guy who sure hates to lose his club. <laughs> he's dedicated. You know the only way you're going to cross over? Dedication. You got to want it. I mean, it ain't going to just happen. It doesn't happen that way. You got to want it. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself. Set yourself apart. You got to get ready. God's best ain't going to come. You just lollygagging around. Just going through the norm like everybody else. It doesn't work that way. You know? You know, that very thing in, that, in the Draw the Circle book. Where did he get the idea from? Who? Remember? Gypsy Smith? He said, God, it's got to start with me. It's got to start with me first. That's exactly right. You've got to deal with you first before God's going to hand over his best or let you see his best in your life. It will take us personally dedicated, humility, repentance, praying, focus, living where God would like us to live. I mean, in our lifestyle, not geographically. Well, it could be that eventually, but how are we living? How's that working? And keep our attention on the miracle that's about to take place on his behalf. The expression draw near was somebody who was getting, you know, in, in the Hebrew mindset, it was for the priests mainly. It's where it started, then it kind of moved over to everybody. Because if you were a priest, for you to draw nigh means you got to do ceremonial things. You got to wash your hands the right way. You got to put on the right clothes before you can serve in that position. Later it became, for all Jewish people, just that worship mentality, you get ready to worship. You know, what are you doing to, to get ready? Uh... I mean, that's, the, that's the whole thing that he's talking about there. That's what he's saying. We must rely on God's intervention. God's going to have to do it. When's the last thing, time we undertook something and unless God showed up, it was going to be a flop? You know what Mary Andretti said, right? The famous race car driver. He says, if everything's under control, you're going too slow. You know, if you got everything in control, how's God going to show up? He'll just say, well, here, you can handle this. You just, if that's all you're going to attempt, you can handle that yourself. I'll just, I, I'm, you don't need me. You know, you know what they say about uh, David? You know why he killed a giant? Because he fought one. We, are, we kill spiritual pygmies. We never attempt anything big. You know, cost too much, right? What if it flops? We got to quit. We're not going to sing. We're already over. I'm sorry. Y'all messed up my time. <laughs> I didn't even get started to nine, after nine. There's a lot more that Danny put on the webpage that, that goes along with this. That's where you, every one of us are there. 
right this moment, you're going to have to decide something. Are you going to find out where God wants you to be? Are you going to pay the cost for to, to go through it? Or are you going to just be satisfied? You know, you know the story. They went across. They had a lot of stuff ahead of them. But boy, it cost. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you care. Thank you that you have a plan. Thank you that you want the best for us in this life and the life to come. Father, thank you that you've done everything necessary for us to see that and experience that. Help us just to trust you so that you can bring it to pass in our life for your glory. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all have a great day.